Now, I, I said that with some said that with some purpose tonight. Thought that we would have an evening on the the laughing Buddha, because uh, as I like to remember myself and like to remind others, the the Buddha was uh, called Sukhiya or the Happy One. Uh, one of the the three uh, three one of the four. Uh, immeasurable qualities that flows from a heart and a mind that's open is joy. Uh, one of the so-called Brahma Viharas. Uh, joy is one of the factors of enlightenment. One of the expressions of the awakened heart is joy, and joy is really all over the teachings. But it's very easy to forget that when we are um, when we are not just opening to and recognizing dukkha. Dukkha, which is sometimes translated as suffering, but really about the friction that we all face and stress that we all face. Um, while we're opening to this, we sometimes can uh, become bound up in it and fixated in it and realize that the point of, of opening to Dukkha is as a springboard, as a cause of happiness, as a cause of joy. And sometimes because life can become somewhat uh, weighty and heavy and our mind falls into chronic reactions of worry and anxiety and fear, sometimes as a skillful means we need to, not so much to get away from our troubles, but to find the inner conditions to be able to meet them, we need to cultivate, incline our hearts toward those qualities that awakened consciousness naturally expresses, but that we somehow lose touch with. And we need to cultivate uh, particularly joy and happiness. And it reminds us that whatever, as the Buddha put it, whatever one frequently dwells upon becomes the inclination of the mind. So if we really want to be happy, we have to incline toward happiness. And it's to do all that we can do in our life to um, to cultivate the conditions of happiness. Of course, it's really, really important to know what happiness is, and we talk about that a lot here. And the, It's not just the happiness of a good mood, but sometimes a good mood is what we need in order to uh, be able to accommodate our experience and find the, the happiness of equanimity, the happiness of freedom, the happiness of being less reactive. So there is a place for joy, there's a place for laughter, there's a place for, um, uh, for delight. There's, there's a place to actually not just notice these as they, as they show up, but to enhance them, to, to exploit the moments of gladness and happiness. And really um, appreciate the moments that we feel good. And there are probably a lot more than we... Uh, remember, while we're busy re, um, re, how can I say this, uh, remaking our uh, difficult situations in our mind. There's a tendency to define ourselves by our situation. And our situation is the story of our life. It's not right here. I mean, you could say this is a situation being here. But this situation is not so problematic but the situation that we often think of is 
is problematic. Everything's not quite the way it's supposed to be. And we can easily get bogged down. So periodically, just to help balance our consciousness, not just periodically, but often, we need to laugh. So we can, we can find tremendous laughter in just reality, in things the way they are. And as Wavy Gravy said, if, if you don't laugh, it's not funny. So it's important that we laugh. And sometimes real things, real, um, real things that people wrote or people write, it's reality. People write this, this stuff. It's really things that people write. It's incredibly funny if you read it or listen to it. So here, for example, I will be, we'll revisit the uh, actual church bulletins that, um, examples of church bulletins that they're all authentic and taken directly from announcements made in various churches. This afternoon, there will be a meeting in the south and north ends of the church. Children will be baptized at both ends. Tuesday at 4 p.m., there will be an ice cream social. All ladies giving milk, please come early. (laughs) Wednesday, the Ladies Literary Society will meet. Mrs. Johnson will sing, quote, Put Me in My Little Bed, accompanied by the pastor. Thursday, this is the perfect setting for these announcements. Thursday at 5 p.m. will be a meeting of the Little Mothers Club. All wishing to become little mothers will please meet with the minister in his study. (laughs) This being Easter Sunday, we will ask Mrs. Brown to come forward and lay an egg on the altar. The service will close with, quote, little drops of water. One of the men will start quietly and the rest of the congregation will join in. (laughs) The ladies of the church have cast off clothing of every kind and they can be seen in the church basement on Friday afternoon. On Sunday, a special collection will be taken to defray the expense of the new carpet. All wishing to do something on the carpet, please come forward and get it. Low self-esteem group will meet Thursday at 7 p.m. Please use the back door. Weight Watchers will meet at 7 p.m. at the First Presbyterian Church. Please use the large double door at the side entrance. Can you handle a little more? See, the beauty of laughter is you can't have a mind and laugh at the same time. It, it basically steals your mind. It steals for a moment. It steals your situation. 
and helps you for a moment see what's possible when we step out of the stream of, of distress. Of course, it's not a cure for distress, but it's a, a remind us that we are, we are not permanently bound in our situation. Our situation, again, is our story. So we'll continue. Bertha Belch, a missionary from Africa, will be speaking tonight at the Cavalry Memorial Church in Racine. Come tonight and hear Bertha Belch all the way from Africa. Announcement in the church bulletin for a national prayer and fasting conference. The cost of, for attending the fasting and prayer conference includes meals. <laughs> Our youth basketball team is back in action Wednesday at 8 p.m. in the school recreation hall. Come out and watch us kill Christ the King. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Charlene Mason sang, quote, I will not pass this way again, giving obvious pleasure to the congregation. <laughs> Ladies, don't forget the rummage sale. It's a chance to get rid of those things not worth keeping around the house. Don't forget your husbands. <laughs> I'll skip around a little. The peacemaking meeting scheduled for today has been canceled due to conflict. <laughs> the sermon this morning, quote, Jesus walks on water. The sermon tonight will be, quote, searching for Jesus. Now for the, those juveniles in the room, a bean supper will be held on Tuesday evening in the church hall. Music will follow. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> oh. I think that's enough for tonight. So just notice the reverberations of a little laughter. Notice what happened to the past, what happened to the future. Sometimes it's a skillful device, something we need. And we just, we need a lot of joy in our life. <clears throat> Well, I'm not sure if this is Buddhist, but uh, someone passed this on to me. I recently discovered that there is a, a physiological reason for unhappiness. It's when the optic nerve gets crossed with the rectum nerve. It gives one a shitty outlook. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
So it's easy to forget, even though the, the teachings are all about joy and uh, the awakening of joy, that um, it's very easy to forget that this is such an important quality to have in our life. And I think it's partly because the, there's so much emphasis on non-clinging that, uh, and about the defects or the dangers of devoting ourselves to pleasure that we miss the, um, we miss the, um, the moments of delight that we tend to suppress them because it, somehow it gets translated as I shouldn't be experiencing this, I shouldn't cling to this, and then pretty soon we're, we've made ourselves miserable trying not to be attached. And even my daughter is beginning to understand this. I shared with her the other morning, she was bored sitting at the dinner table, so I decided to, uh, we decided to try to tell, to read, to recite poems. And she was going to recite some Chinese poem, and so I did my my favorite little William Blake poem where he says, uh, and I'll use the feminine again tonight, she who binds to herself a joy does the winged life destroy. But she who kisses the joy as it flies lives in eternity's sunrise. So I asked her what this poem meant. And she immediately said, yeah, whenever you, whenever you have fun, don't don't try to make it last too long. Don't hold on to it. Let it go. I couldn't believe it because I've never really pushed the whole Dharma thing on her. But she was she immediately got it. And it's really we we all need to get it. We all need to get that it's not about abandoning joy. It's about abandoning our clinging to it. It's about letting it come when it comes, letting it fill our being, letting your mind, letting yourself lose your mind and laugh. And it's the same, it's not just kissing our joy as it flies allows us to live in freedom or live in eternity's sunrise, but it's kissing our sorrows. It's releasing our sorrows, not getting rid of them, but recognizing them as, as, uh, as changing conditions. I always think of the poet Hafiz or Hafez who says what asks the question, what do people who are chronically sad have in common? He says it seems they have all built a shrine to the past and often go there to do a strange wail and worship. He goes on to say, What's the beginning of happiness? And he says, To stop being so religious like that. And it's the tendency to, to dwell in, in the past, to cling to the past. This blocks our source to, of joy. But fortunately, there, there are, beside just cultivating the heart of non-grasping, non-clinging, allowing the joy to fly, allowing the sorrow to fly, there are so many ways that we can cultivate joy in our lives. Every week, we I give that gentle reminder at the end of at the end of the evening about the practice of dana and you may think of it oh this is the this is the time of the night where the dana wrap is and really forget 
that the heart of the Buddha's teaching, which is the first teaching that the Buddha offered to lay people like us, the heart of the teaching of encouraging people to cultivate generosity is because it is considered a source of joy. And he described it as the joy of giving, the joy that, that comes to the giver, the joy that comes to the receiver, not just supporting the nuns and the monks or the lay teachers or the, the room rental here in, in this case, or me. It's about the, the act of giving. It's in whatever way we give. He's talked about the joy in the thought of giving, the joy in the act of giving, the joy in the memory of having given, that, it's, that it gladdens the heart to give. And this is something, no matter what our situation, we can, we can um, help to balance our, um, our difficulties, balance our situations, balance our, even our physical dis-ease with the practice of giving, giving a, a smile, giving time, giving energy giving resources, if that's your, your capacity. The Buddha talked about the joy is so important for us to, to be um, practicing this joy of giving that we, if we knew how important it was and how liberating it was, how joy-inducing it is, we wouldn't let a single meal pass without sharing it. So it's a very central. The other thing is to, just to remember those things that you do in your life that, um, that bring pleasure and joy and do them every day. Things that are nourishing, things that are uplifting, if it's walking in nature, if it's exercising, if it's singing, if it's dancing, if it's playing music. For me, it's golfing. It's tremendously joyful for me. And it just keeps on giving, even though I, I'm completely mentally ill on the golf course. Not completely, but it's even it, it has so much uh, pleasure associated with with the process that um, that even the mental illness now has become a, a little less sticky, and I say that very loosely. But that I I see the things that give us joy as as that which helps balance the tendency <clears throat> tendency toward. Uh, becoming bogged down in the graveyard of memory, in the, in the, um, in the heap of all, all our old insults, all our old stories. It really frees us and shows us that in the midst of winter, there is there's a lot of summer going on. And for many people, it's, uh, it's some kind of exercise, for many people, it's, uh, it's writing, some kind of creative endeavor. James Bear is one of my colleagues, encourages people to do three or four times a week, do something, that, do something uh, creative. And we're all creative. And I think it's a matter of tapping into some kind of resource that you have. So if you're not doing those things, you're actually not inclining toward the things that bring joy. Or are you? I'd say go see comedy. Most people really like to laugh. It brings joy. So I would, I would do that. Or watch comedy. Watch Comedy Central. Watch. <laughs> what's his name? Um, what's that? 
South Park. Watch South Park, exactly. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. I realized when I when I um, was rummaging through my stuff, I have I, I noticed that I'm very attracted to things that tickle my funny bone. For example, this story really tickles my funny bone. Hopefully, it will tickle yours. This is a story from Natalie Goldberg. Natalie Goldberg is a meditation teacher and and writing teacher and uh, funny being and just sees the sees the humor in it all but she's also a very serious dharma teacher but you can see what makes her a great writer is she sees the humor in things so this is a a story about a visit that her parents made to her at her home in Santa Fe New Mexico you hang in there with me for a few minutes okay here we go my parents are visiting me in my new home in Santa Fe It's a cool, late July afternoon, and we're sitting on the porch. Amazingly, we're not eating. We're just staring straight ahead at the high adobe wall a hundred feet in front of us. We're sitting in a line. I'm in the middle. Hey, Nat, my father begins. What's meditation? It's hard to explain. Then, because I am young and still incredibly foolish... I have a brilliant, daring idea. Do you want to try? And before they can answer, I run into the house and get a bell. Accoutrement, I think, will make it official. Okay, when I ring the bell, you just sit and feel your breath go in and out at your nose. If your mind wanders, just bring it back gently to your breath. We'll sit for ten minutes. Okay, they both say, suddenly eager. This will be fun. And they wiggle into their chairs to compose themselves. The bell sounds three times, and we settle into this most ordinary thing, people breathing next to each other. My father's on my right, my mother on my left. I cannot believe this is happening. Here we are, all paying attention. The ten minutes feel spacious, luscious, and forever. The shade is cool, we're all quiet, This must be what heaven is. The time is up. I ring the bell to mark the end of the meditation. Well, how was it, I ask? Did you have a lot of distractions? My father shrugs his shoulders. What's the big deal? Well, did you discover how much you think? Was it hard to concentrate? No, I didn't have a single thought. None, I asked, surprised. Not a one. Well, did you feel peaceful? Not particularly. It's like how it always is when you don't talk. That's why human beings talk. Nothing is happening otherwise. I turned to my mother. Quote, I was aggravated the whole time about your friend. She must think I'm awful. At dinner the night before, my mother had blurted out that she thought the chapters of my novel were awful, and my friend Francis, who was there, told me later that my mother was jealous. I confronted my mother that morning, and she apologized profusely. I don't know what came over me. Your chapters are lovely. Let's try again, my mother says. This time I'll do it right. I started to explain that there's no right or wrong, but instead just said, okay. This time, I want to ring the bell. My father grabs the stick. He ceremoniously hits the bell three times. 
We're sitting for two and a half minutes when my father suddenly belts out, Hello, Dolly. Well, hello, Dolly. It's so nice to have you. You get the word. Back where you belong. While ringing the bell continuously to accompany himself. (laughs) Buddy, please, my mother tries to interrupt him, struggling to reach across to grab the bell, but my father won't stop. He's having a ball. I'm the only one still staring straight ahead at the blank adobe wall, still attempting to notice my breath. I decide right there and then that I don't have to save my parents. They don't count as sentient beings. (laughs) They're in another category entirely. I imagine the enlightened ones talk under the Bodhi tree. There are ten kinds of beings. And now the Buddha turns his head and addresses me personally. And Natalie, your father is the eleventh kind. Beyond this universe. So we can even laugh at our, last week I spoke about other people's opinions of you. As I I shared the Nancy Snyderman quote, other people's opinions of you are none of your business. But here's one that plays on our tendency to be so concerned about uh, how we're viewed by others. This is entitled uh, from Philip Lopate. I don't know if I pronounced that right. We who are your closest friends. We who are your closest friends feel the time has come to tell you that every Thursday we have been meeting as a group to devise ways to keep you in perpetual uncertainty, frustration, discontent, and torture by neither loving you as much as you want nor cutting you adrift. Your analyst is in on it, plus your boyfriend and your ex-husband, and we have pledged to disappoint you as long as you need us. In announcing our association, we realize that we have placed in your hands a possible antidote against uncertainty, indeed against ourselves. But since our Thursday nights have brought us a community of purpose rare in itself with you as the natural center, we feel hopeful you will continue to make unreasonable demands for affection, if not as a consequence of your disastrous personality, then for the good of the collective." And even the, our tendency to to be so busy, uh, be so busy uh, trying to get through things in order to to become happy, to get to the next thing, and forgetting that that light that already burns brightly is the very nature of our being. That's why the the beautiful little humorous passage that's anonymous called Reverse Living, I find, just tickles my funny bone. Again, it's called Reverse Living. Life is tough. It takes up a lot of your time, all your weekends. And what do you get at the end of it? Death, a great reward. I think that the life cycle is all backwards. You should die first. Get it out of the way. Then live 20 years in an old age home. You get kicked out when you're too young. You get a gold watch. You go to work. You work 40 years until you're young enough to enjoy your retirement. You go to college. You party until you're ready for high school. You become a little kid. You play. You have no responsibilities. 
you become a little boy or girl, you go back into the womb, you spend the last nine months floating, and you finish off as a gleam in someone's eye. So both somewhat humorous, but, but a good teaching. That, uh, stop going out of ourselves in search, come back to that, that glint, that light. Freedom. I think I may have shared this recently, <clears throat> the Christian prayer that that uh, makes light of the fact that we um, tend to turn the the uh, commitment to acting in a non-harming way. We tend to turn it into a burden or or grim duty or commandments or and just how we need to lighten up about being a good person. And this is uh, a prayer that, Christian prayer, that says, Dear God, so far today I have, I've done all right. I haven't gossiped, haven't lost my temper, haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or overindulgent. I'm really glad about that. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of bed. And from then on, I'm probably going to need a lot of help. So lighten up. And just making light of, of the exotic ideals that we have about what happens to meditators when they go up to the mountain at Spirit Rock to meditate. And how, uh, what really goes on in, in our minds. This is from the Wall Street Journal. <clears throat> My late father sent me this back in the in the eighties. This was his. This was the uh, signal to me that he didn't think he had finally come to a point where he didn't think anymore that I'd gone off the deep end. He knew I was, you know, he'd see this in the Wall Street Journal. Then he knew that uh, meditation maybe not as isn't quite as weird as he originally thought. He didn't sleep well for the first three month silent retreat that I did. He. He didn't sleep the whole time very well. Thought I had joined a cult. Anyway, here from the Wall Street Journal. Hey, guru. I've always wondered what you guys do up here on the mountain all day. Well, at sunrise, I get up, eat a a handful of parched corn, start meditating, and then at noon, I eat another handful of parched corn and go back to meditating until dark when I stop and eat a little more parched corn. Fantastic. What do you meditate about? Espresso, chocolate-covered raisins, pizza, french fries, hot dogs, banana splits, pancakes, potato chips, donuts, baked Alaska, Twinkies, and more espresso. (laughs) So does anyone here have any good Dharma jokes in the last few minutes? Please. How many Buddhists does it take to change a light bulb? None because they're already aware that the light bulb is already changing. <laughs> Please. What did the Buddha say to the hot dog bender, vendor? Make me one with everything. <laughs>
My conversation on Don is, in, is inspiring, but the, my fundraising drive, NPR fundraising drive is not so much fun. Yeah, maybe they should put it in more of the Donna con- context. And please. A woman celebrating her 111th birthday. Secret of longevity. The secret of her longevity is to be happy. So it is, you know, there is a a long-running question about what our happiness set point is and all of that. And some people are just generally more happy than others. But there are so many, there are countless ways that we can plant the seeds that bring more happiness and joy into our life. And so if, you're, if, it, if it takes a time of inquiry, of, of really listening, of looking, what is it that, what is it that gladdens your heart? What is it that, that, um, that you find pleasure in doing? What is it that um, <clears throat> uh, some encouragement to remember the moments when you do have uh, gladness and to really let yourself feel that? Uh, of course, that the heart of what brings joy uh, is to be present, to be kind, to come out of the tangle of, of, of fear thinking and really find, put our, our mind in our body and our body in our mind. That sense of immediacy brings a sense of wonder. And I don't know about you, but even as I was feeling the sensations of my tush on the cush tonight, just to be able to feel that, to be able to register that and name that's pressure, heaviness, hardness, vibrating, and then the whole body and that living quality. Who could ever explain it? And just the felt experience of it, just enough to, to step out of my store for a moment. It's miraculous. And it at least for me, it brought joy to my heart. And I know that we all have that same capacity to find joy in the, in the simplicity of things and the immediacy of things. So we, aren't, we don't have to be as complicated as we, as we make ourselves. And it doesn't mean that life doesn't have all the stresses, but it needs to be balanced with joy. So did you have something to say, Carlos? Joy is an abbreviation for journey. Beautiful. Thank you. Okay, so let's just uh, sit quietly for a moment. And a poem that, uh, a passage from the the... Uh, Japanese nun to jitsu that reflects the fruit of kissing the joy as it flies, letting things arise and pass away. To jitsu saw that arising arose, abided and fell away. She saw that knowing this arose, abided and fell away. Then she knew that there was nothing more than this, No ground, nothing to lean on, stronger than the cane she held. 
nothing to lean upon at all, no one leaning. And she opened the clenched fist in her mind and let go and fell into the midst of everything. So may all beings find joy and happiness and the causes of joy and happiness increasing every day. May all beings be free of sorrow and suffering and the causes of suffering decreasing every day. May all beings recognize that sacred happiness in touch with everything right where it touches you. And may all beings grow in serenity and equanimity, able to meet the joys and the sorrows with less grasping, less aversion. aversion. And a deep wish that our practice tonight and every night and all the blessings of of our life be dedicated to the welfare and benefit of all. May all beings know freedom, the great joy of freedom. to see you next week. Thanks again for the support for the room rental, the teacher Donna, much appreciation for any generosity. And hopefully you will experience, if you practice Donna in all ways in your life, that you'll experience joy in the thought of it, joy in the act of it, joy in the memory of it. Thanks. Oh, Brenda left a purple Zafu here last week. Do we have the purple Zafu? I know we... I know we had a, anybody have a purple Zafu that they borrowed tonight? Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.